the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. First question, tell me something about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm an architect in New York City. I have a practice called Danny Force Brand Architecture. Uh, we do a whole host of high-end residential, uh, large-scale master planning, hospitality towers. We're presently designing the world's tallest modular hotel in the world in the neighborhood of Chelsea on 29th Street and 6th Avenue. Uh, about a 380-foot-tall hotel where the hotel rooms are made in Poland and the podium is made in New York, all get stacked together. Uh, in addition to being an architect, I've also spent many years uh, in television. I hosted a TV show called Build It Bigger on the Discovery Channel and Science Channel, where for seven seasons I got to go around the world many, many times over and telling stories about buildings. Uh, I was also the producer and director, along with Steven Spielberg, of a documentary called Rising, Rebuilding Ground Zero, which told the reconstruction of the World Trade Center site. In addition to that, I, uh, I teach architecture occasionally and just try and run a practice and keep the lights on. And you won, a, you won an Emmy for that documentary, too. We were nominated for three Emmys and won two. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we were. How did you, get in, how did you go from, from architecture to being in, on television? You know, it was uh, about as big a fluke as anything. I was uh, finishing up my graduate degree at Harvard. I was three years into a three-and-a-half-year degree, and I was just burned out. I was totally burned out. Um, and I was sitting trying to work on my thesis at the time, and I just simply could not put, a, put pen to paper. And my girlfriend at the time sent me an ad, if you can believe it, from Craigslist that said, do you like architecture? Can you talk about it? Do you want your own TV show? Send us a tape. So using a Canon 1.3 megapixel ELF camera at the time, shot a ridiculous video in the living room explaining how much student debt I was in, how little architects make, and how much I needed a TV show to get myself above water. Who knows what I said that worked out, but the point is I got a show yeah. from Craigslist. Went ahead, actually quit school, went and shot the first six episodes, thought it was a fun lark, called it a day. Went back, finished my thesis, and was like, okay, I'll get back to work, become an architect, get my act together. And then, not but a day after I graduated, I got a phone call saying, show's been picked up, 14 episodes, can you be on an airplane in two weeks? And, and there it began. And it was a kind of a, a, a real kind of unplanned decade where it was a traveling and shooting and also starting a small practice uh, and learning how to be a filmmaker and from that getting excited about making films about buildings and proposing a documentary. And so, yeah, I have to admit, it wasn't, uh, there was no grand plan. Yeah. Uh, just tried to stay open and, and kind of took the opportunities as I saw them. Doesn't, don't you find that sometimes being open mm. provides some of the most unique experiences in our lives? Yeah, I think, I think um, what do they say? Uh, I think God laughs at, your, at our little plans. Yes. Right? Um, I, I think... Sometimes he laughs too loudly, but yes. Yeah, I think too often in my life I certainly was, gave my own ideas a little bit too much respect. And I think having, having some humility about the possibility that things are going to go in ways I do not anticipate mm. has served me pretty well. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you and I are talking uh, at Crestron Masters. Yes. Um, for those in the AV industry, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty you know, significant outing uh, for those that this is what they do. They're in, they're in, in the Crestron world. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a gathering. It used to be years ago, nothing but programmers. So these are the folks who programmed you know, our, the control systems. And they've expanded that to include designers and, and other people. You're an architect by trade. Um, why come talk to a, a group of, of technologists, of AV technologists? It's a great question. What is Crestron doing having me deliver the <laughs> keynote, no less? Yes, the, the opening keynote, no less, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a thousand-person attended, highly technical AV integration conference hosted by Crestron, right? Yeah. So why have an architect and TV host deliver the keynote and speak on a panel uh, before a whole host of designers and the creators? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I can tell you that the world of design and technology, as we know, are kind of more closely intertwined than ever as they continue to become more critically connected. I think the degree to which the architectural community understands what the AV community is doing and vice versa is important. Mm -hmm. I think I'm someone who is very eager to develop smart, high-performance buildings, and AV is part of that. Low voltage is part of that. All of that being said, I'm also pretty willing to say that I think the system is fairly broken. Okay. Uh, I don't think there is a really uh, intelligent way in which the dealer integrator community integrates with the design community. Uh, I mean, you guys call yourselves integrators, but I would really question uh, the method by which you guys are a part of the design team, the architecture, structure, MEP team those of us who are putting the building together. I mean, I hear at every conference I go to with Crestron, every integrator raises their hand and says, I always get to the job so late. To what I reply, um, why aren't we inviting you sooner? And what, if anything, do you have to do with that fact? Yeah. So I also, I think I'm here to be a little bit of a provocateur, which is to put some pressure on the AV community to say, our world is very big and growing. Your market, you have more and more opportunity. We're here to support the business. Come and join us over here. Uh, and, and offer, I guess I'm here to sort of offer some opportunity. How do they do that? How do, well, they, how do they join you? Well, I think a little bit of it is a sort of a psychological or a mentality adjustment. I think the difference of walking into a room and saying, I'm here to listen versus I'm here to sell. Okay. Uh, I think walking into a room and saying to someone, um, you know, tell me, tell me about your life. Tell me about uh, what happens after you get out of bed in the morning. Like, what's... How does it work with you and you know, music or podcasts in the morning? Or when you make coffee and tea and breakfast, what's that look like? Is the TV on or is it not on? Uh, do, you, do you carry the iPad in the bathroom with you? Uh, how does it all work? Yeah. I would love integrators to solicit a story from a client. And from that story say, I have a technology solution that can adjust. Sorry, I have a technology solution that can address that story and even enhance it. I would love a presentation to work that way as opposed to saying, you need X, Y, and Z, here's the kit of parts, and here's the cost. Uh, so I think that's a big part of the conversation, is that enabling we as architects and designers and interior designers, giving us the comfort level that we can bring you to the table early, and, you'll, and you won't sell boxes. From a, a, a practical nuts and bolts um, standpoint, no, no pun intended, sure. are they first selling you? And then, and, and giving you the confidence then yeah. that they can have that conversation without bringing up the boxes and, and the, the gazettes and gazettes. It's a great question. And so I think at the heart of your question is um, how do they establish their relationship with the AD community? Mm -hmm. How do they meet us? And, you know, I, I asked uh, a room of however many integrators today, I said, how many of you do lunch and learns with architects? And 10% of the room put their hands up. I mean, that's pretty low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. I mean, our doors are wide open. Our phone lines are open. You know, we, we seek education. We want to be onboarded because 
I mean, gosh, I need to know about the, the strength of concrete, the bendability of steel, the desires of my clients, and how distributed video works. I can't know all these things. I need you guys to be the experts to onboard us and teach us and expose us to this stuff. And that comes in the form of a phone call and a lunch and learn. You're not coming to pitch your company. You're not coming to pitch a client. You're coming to actually tell me about the latest release that Crestron just made and how it's going to impact, say, video art. Yeah. Right? We've got lots of clients who are big art collectors and now are moving into video art. How do they think about the archiving of the art, the sharing of that art? Is there a solution for that? We've got lots of clients who are super pumped about Alexa and Siri. Are there voice-activated uh, opportunities in the world of AV and low voltage? I don't know, but come and tell me about it. So number one, I would encourage folks to find the architects who are doing the work that they respect and get into their office and just tell them, educate us. And I think through that education process, uh, a relationship develops. I would say part two to that answer is be a value-added member of a design team. Now, another question I asked the room today, I said, how many of the integrators use Revit? 10% no. of the hands went up as well. You know, as we say in the, in, in the world of TV, meet the audience where they are. If our profession's moving in Revit, show up. Say, you know what, don't send me a floor plan, send me the Revit model and I'll send you back a populated Revit model with switches and keypads and speakers and lights. Our control system fully bopped into the Revit model. All you gotta do is click on the RCP and you'll see it. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. That's a design partner. That's someone who I want my client to meet because I can say, they're moving the job forward. It's not even about bidding the job. They are the job. Look what they've done already. Look at my RCPs. I'm already coordinating their drawings with my mechanical engineer, my electrical engineer. Wow, you're in the job before you even knew the job happened. So I think there's ways to deepen that relationship. They just got to get out in front of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talked about prefab. You mentioned the, the fact that you guys are building the, the, the biggest yeah. prefab hotel in, in New York, or in the world, in New York. Yes. You said there's a role for prefab, and, and, and AV has prefab, architecture has yeah. prefab. Everybody, every, every industry, I think, has some sort of, you know, pre-created model that yeah. they can just, you know, customers can slide in or it's make it simple. You said there's a space for that. What, what is that space? What is that role? You know, I think in architecture, it's funny, it's a technology, like prefabrication, modular architecture is not a new idea. It's been around for literally hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's, you know, off-site built elements as a part of our practice. It's not widely accepted, and it's not embraced by the architectural community. And I think one of the reasons is optical. Number one is that people believe it to be kind of cheap. You know, trailer homes, yeah. mobile homes, right? That's our association with it. Okay, fine. So we've got the, the bad association, but that's from the sales side. That's from the user end. From the design community, I think we don't like it because we think it's going to take our jobs. <laughs> is it? No. Okay. The, the fear is that our, our bespoke creativity, our ability to produce these one-of-a-kind objects is our only value proposition. To, now, if that's really the case, then we're really just sculptors because that really relegates architects to an even smaller piece of the pie. Modular architecture is not going to obviate the needs for architects. In fact, it's going to increase it because the amount of time in the construction process that we're engaged gets that much deeper because we're now involved on the modular side. So I would argue that, yes, of course, there are limitations when you're using a module. For example, the width of a module needs to fit on the back of a truck and, and work with the turning radius as you go over a bridge. It's true. The modules are being delivered to site. 
the aggregate width of, say, a certain number of modules wants to fit in the bay of a ship if the factory is offshore and it's being delivered via boat. Yeah, it's true. These are forces that are being brought to bear in the design, but so is gravity, right? We all have limitations to respond to. It doesn't neuter the architect. I would say analogously, my experience with the AV community is similar, meaning they see anything that isn't custom is somehow a repudiation of their, of their reason to be in this world. And I think there are probably a good number of custom solutions that didn't need to be custom. And they are custom because that's what they think they offer. But in fact, what they're really offering is not code, but experience. And if that experience comes from an out-of-box solution or from a custom solution, so be it. At the end of the day, the client is frankly kind of unaware. And they should be. Yeah. All they should do is have the ephemeral, atmospheric, emotional connection to the space. So the the... I think the kind of uh, uh, apprehension when we talk about having a more consistent experience across different platforms and the way in which programmers kind of shirk back, I find it surprising because the document documentation is clear. The custom builds are going to remain the same amount. You'll still have them. You can build your business, but everything else is growing at such an amazing rate. Why not embrace that? Why not get your arms all around that? It's fascinating. As, as you were answering that question, I was thinking to myself, I, I wonder if he understands that the way you're describing how some architects are viewing modulars are, is identical yeah. to the way some integrators are, are, yeah. are viewing you know, Look, some of these turnkey solutions. There's a reason why the AIA, the American Institute of Architects, does, barely talks about modular architecture, right? I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, people think it's cool, like Dwell makes a little Dwell house. But on a major urban scale, and we're talking about the possibility of bringing manufacturing back to America. Like the idea of manufacturing, increasing quality, like addressing affordable housing. Like there's tons of interesting implications to this stuff. Yeah. But architects don't want to talk about it because if you can get it off the shelf, what do you need me for? And the truth is you still need us. It'll never actually be, yes, in the future, maybe you'll hit print. You'll 3D print your house. You'll call it a day. But not tomorrow. No. And, and certainly, and somebody has to design that 3D That's file right. that I print from. And then once it gets designed, it has to get brought to site and integrated with some mechanical connections mm -hmm. and a foundation and so forth. There are roles to play and there are critical roles to play. So I think the fear is paranoia. I think it shows, shows a closed-mindedness and it will limit the growth of the business because if someone comes in and they start pushing a bunch of custom options, that only propagates the client's reputation that the AV integrators are here to make my life complicated and expensive. So I think, I think the ball's in their court. I think if they can begin to put down the fight a little bit, the, not just their share of the pie, but the pie will grow. Yeah. You've, you've used the word experience a number of times, and the, the AV industry's uh, main trade association has also been talking about experience for a number of years. Where do you see technology adding to the experience? I mean, I think it's, it's already there. I mean... You know, yeah. you know. I think it was Elon Musk in, in his podcast uh, on, on Joe Rogan's podcast was talking about like we're already cyborgs because we can do math problems so quickly. Yeah. Like the things, yes, it's not in our body, but it's sort of on our body. I mean, I keep my earbud in my ear basically all day. I don't know what the health implications of that are ultimately going to be, but um, and we won't know for years. But that's okay. That's right. <laughs> so it's already here. I guess the point is like, are you going to embrace it or not? Like I find it. Not to be too hard on the integrators, but I find it hard when oftentimes the dialogue is sort of anti-Amazon, anti-Apple, anti-Spot, you know, anti a lot of these, like anti-Alexa and so forth. Like, no, 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 that doesn't work with what we're doing. It's like, well, you want to pick a fight with Apple? 
Like, don't you want to embrace that stuff? Like, don't you want to allow this tidal wave of enthusiasm to just build into your business? Yeah. Because unlike my business, I mean, no one's looking to design custom homes. They do it if they can afford to or they have to, but my business isn't building, actually. The AV industry is. Yeah. Like, customers are just dying for this stuff. They love it. And so to, to find a more cost-effective off-the-shelf opportunity to increase that demographic, man, I'd rather be in your business than mine. <laughs> um, there's a number of softwares, and you, you mentioned Revit, um, but there's also BIM which, you know, um, and others that allow folks to kind of visualize uh, a building before it's built, right? Mm -hmm. Or a building before you even kind of send out to prints. Do you see a, a place for kind of these virtualized, or, or you know, not necessarily AR, but definitely VR, VR sure. um, and bringing in technology into those types of software to where you can help a client walk through the space, but also see how the space can be impact, impacted by acoustics and by yeah. audio and, and, and yeah. projection mapping and other sort of technology. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're using it, and most folks are. I mean, Revit is a BIM technology, and certainly we use it for both construction documentation and also for visualization. So, yeah, I mean, it's... To be frank, it's part of what we do. Okay. Someone said to me a couple of years ago, hey, do you do, do you do green architecture? And my response was, uh, if your architect doesn't think about sustainability, they're just a bad architect. Like, sustainability is no longer a subset of the profession. It's the expectation. Okay. Right? And I think the same would be with visualization. Like, we work in a 3D environment. It's part of what we do. Uh, clients expect it, and we should be doing it. And I would say to the integrator community, knowing that, that Revit, for example, is becoming more and more commonplace in offices, what a great gateway for you guys to get on board with as well. You said in part, of your, in part of your presentation that design should move you. What did you mean by that? I mean that um, simply looking at a building and knowing how tall it is is an academic exercise. Yeah. It's like, I know it, but like, am, I, am I emotionally impacted by that height? Do I feel it? Do I experience it? Meaning architecture isn't purely academic. It's spatial. It's physical. Uh, it, it literally moves you in the sense that sometimes you have to walk around things or up things or through things, right? But it also has deep symbolic, metaphorical, and poetry inside of it as well. So uh, I think the beauty of a, I would say the difference between a building and a piece of architecture is its ability to, to fulfill its function and also have meaning. And, and that's how architecture can move you. It can physically keep the sun, you know, and the shade and keep, you know, protect you yep. and also teach you. And, and that's, you know, one of, the, one of the best things about it. Awesome. Um, as we wrap up, what, what is your, what would be your dream architectural job? Um, you know, without sounding kind of corny, I think I think we're doing a lot of the projects we want to be doing right now, which is great. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited about about the work we're doing uh, in the modular space. Um, I think, um, gosh, I, I'd love to do a school. Okay. I'd love to. Uh, I think kids are, are more attuned to the stuff that I'm talking about. Mindful, aware, open, and uh, designing a space for those kinds of receptacles. Uh, could maybe be more exciting than designing a beautiful, fancy hotel for guests to have a great time and for developers to make a lot of money. But I think maybe, yeah, designing a school would be great. All right, very good. Uh, Danny Forster, thank you. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or, or follow you, how do you do that? Sure. Uh, get me on Instagram, at Danny Forster. And if you want to follow our work, uh, at Danny Forster Architecture as well. Um, very cool. Catch me on IG. All right. Cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you.